Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Hot podcast. This is episode 384 for the 17th of Kislev in Alipir. Today's episode has been generously sponsored by Tsiri Plotkin in honor of her birthday. Happy birthday, Tsiri, and thank you so much for making this uh, podcast a way for you to commemorate such a special day. Um, Siri has been a devout follower of the podcast pretty much from the beginning. I love Siri. She's a great person. And Siri, I wish you that this year should be a year of overflowing blessings for you in all areas of your life, specifically in terms of your family life, in terms of your health, and in terms of your livelihood, your wealth. And it should just be a great year for you and for everybody listening to the podcast. So uh, speaking of blessings and speaking of, you know, blessings of life and things like that, that's a really apt way to segue into the theme of today's podcast, because today's podcast is actually all about lengthening life. So imagine, you know, throughout times, there's always been this search for longevity, for youthfulness, for all of this. So could you imagine that actually here, right here in the Tanya, the ultra gives us a prescription for longevity, a prescription for long life. It's actually based on the Gemara, believe it or not. So the ultra didn't make it up. Um, the, the Gemara in Brachos, page 55b, uh, gives uh, says that there are three ways three things that lengthen a person's life. We're going to focus on the first one that's mentioned there today, namely the idea of of lengthening prayer, that lengthening prayer lengthens a person's life. And we're going to explore why that is a little bit. I was curious myself to see what the other two were. So I looked them up. And for those of you that are interested, um, so the other two is actually prolonging y- your your eating time, like a, like really not like, I guess, like not rushing through a meal, but kind of, you know, chewing your food, I suppose, and really taking your time there and prolonging your time in the bathroom. So really, you know, going to the bathroom is actually a very healthy thing to do. And it's not something that should be rushed. But as I mentioned, today, we're going to be focusing on the first one, the idea of prayer, praying at length, why praying at length is so essential and so important. And as we'll see, it's actually something that the Torah itself mandates. So it's not something that was like, you know, uh, instituted by the rabbis, but it's actually something that is comes straight from the Torah and how it indeed actually uh, can lengthen a person's life. So this essay, this is essay eight in Kuntras Ahran, the last part of, the, of Tanya. Uh, it's actually the second to last essay, the second to last episode that we're going to be doing in this cycle of learning the Tanya. So really, we're really nearing very much towards the end. And this essay was written by the Alter Rebbe, uh, actually out of grievance, because he was upset to hear that his chassidim were, uh, some of his chassidim were rushing through their prayers, and they weren't 
praying at Lent. They weren't taking their time in their prayers. And so he begins this essay by saying that he heard this rumor, which is upsetting to him, that in certain congregations, uh, the congregants would not allow uh, the leader of the service to be somebody who would want to pray at length, who would want to lengthen the prayer to kind of take their time, uh, you know, to make sure that everybody is and is is there with it, you know, nobody's rushed and really taking their time in their prayer. And that this actually is somebody, the type of person that wants to do this, that wants to take their time in prayer, is yearning for the life and longevity of the of our brethren, of the congregants. And he said, this isn't good that, that these kind of people are being prevented from leading the services. Because as he quotes, and he, here he quotes the Gemara, where, um, where as I mentioned in, in Masechet Brachos, page 54b, it says that three things prolong the days of man, and one of them is prolonged prayer. So he he continues the ultra and he says that he, he understands that there are some people who are, you know, just due to work and different circumstances in their life, they're pressed for time and they don't have the luxury of, you know, spending a really long time praying. So, okay. So in that case, yes, there are these instances where a person, a congregant, just their job, you know, they have to get to work on time, whatever it is. Right. But he says, nevertheless, for that type of person, it's better for that type of person for to forego hearing Kedusha and Barhu in the congregation than to tamper with the lives of the people who want life. So to tamp so it's it's a very intense thing that the Altar is saying here. He's basically saying that praying at length is such a big deal to the point that it actually is associated, is linked to the life of people, to, to long, the longevity of people, that if you're the type of person that for whatever reason, you can't stay at Shul for, for, for a long time, you have to get to Shul, don't mess it up for other people. You can leave and let everybody else pray at length and don't, don't make it so that everybody has to rush to be at your pace. And the ultra rabbi says that in fact, the, the, according to the Torah, you're exempt. This type of person, there's, there's this, um, concept that if somebody is considered an onus, which is somebody who's like compelled, you know, that they, it's beyond their control, they're exempt from this. So meaning to say that the leader of the congregation actually will exempt such a person, even if they didn't actually hear it. So let's say you have an, a situation where, where there's a person who has to get to work on time and they come to shul and they really just don't have the time to lengthen in prayer. So if they have to leave, so let them leave. And the leader of the congregation who's going to continue praying and praying at length, uh, that person will be yotze them. That person will be will exempt them from the prayers. So it's better to leave than to make everybody else rush along with you, basically. And the ultra backs this up by uh, by citing uh, the Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, page thirty five a, where it talks about these kind of people who are referred to as like the people of this of the field. Um, Shabbat it's called, who are considered to be under duress and that they just, their obligation is to say the Shmonesra prayer, to say the, the Amida prayer, and they don't have to stay for the repetition. So usually in Shul, it's like we say, you know, the, everybody says the Shmonesra prayer to themselves and then the leader of the congregation repeats it along with everybody else. So if somebody is really pressed for time, they don't have to stay for that, that, uh, repetition afterwards. And the ultra rabbi says that what's included amongst this part that they don't have to stay, uh, that they're exempt through the leader of the congregation saying these prayers is also the kadusha and the barhu parts of the prayer. So, the, so all these things that the leader of the congregation leads, the person doesn't have to stay for that. 
Now the altar goes on and he says that he's actually done research into this and he's seen that this is this idea of praying at length is really an essential thing and it's not something new. This actually applied even to the earlier generations, to the sages of the Mishnah and the Gemara, who at that time, prayer was not their primary um, service. It wasn't the main focus. The main focus at that time was studying Torah. But even then, even at that time when the main focus was studying Torah, then uh, the idea of praying at length was still very important and very essential. So all the more so is it true now. Because as we've learned in the Tanya and other places, and the, the altar reiterates it here, that in our times, which are considered to be the times right before the coming of Mashiach, Torah study is not actually our main focus. So, you know, there's sort of like throughout the generations, there's different kinds of focuses. Nowadays, you, know, you think about smartphones, think about um, the internet, our lives are a lot busier and we don't have that same capacity to learn Torah to the same in the same way and on the same level as previous generations did, nor are we expected to, is saying the altar, but that's not our main thing. Back in the day, that was the main thing. The main thing now, when we're right before the coming of Mashiach, the main thing is prayer. Actually, that's the main focus of our service right now is prayer. And the Altar Rebbe brings a source for this from Rabbi Chaim Vital in the Itzchayim and the Preitzchayim. So thus he says that if this is the case, that nowadays, that even if back in the day, back when prayer was not the primary focus, the, the primary service of people, then even then praying at length was understood to be this very essential thing, all the more so is it something that we should be focusing on in our times when it is actually our focus. It is the main thing that we need to be focusing on. And now the Altrup is going to explain that in fact, this is a Torah mandate to pray at length. How is it a Torah mandate? So the idea is that there is a commandment that comes from the Torah, which we actually recite every day in the Shema. And it comes from Devarim, chapter 6, verse 5, where it says, So you should love Hashem your God with with all of your heart. And there's, you know, lots of different explanations as to what this means. But the basic, you know, simple idea is that we have an obligation to love God. So what does this mean to love God? So if you've been following this podcast for a while, you know that there's a lot of discussion about this. The Ultra Rabbi gets into a lot of discussions about love of God, the different levels of loving God. But the, the two main types of loving God is one, the innate love of God that we all have within ourselves, within that we're born with, that's just there. Every single Jew has this, whether they're aware of it or not. And then there's a certain love of God that we can work on so that we can actually bring this love into more revelation and we can kind of like... Uh, you know, add to it and um, enhance it. So what the altar explains is that the innate love of God, like this is not something that we can command people because we all have it, as I mentioned, like every single Jew loves God, whether they're aware of it or not. So what is this verse referring to when it says you shall love God? This means that we need to actually bring this love out into revelation, out of its innate latent place and into a place of revelation. And the way that we do that is through prayer. Because when we say the prayers, especially like Psuke de Zimra, as well as the blessings we say before the the Shema, uh, specifically the blessings which are referred to as Yotzer Or and the blessing of Avat Olam. So these the, the, these prayers, these blessings, the Psuke de Zimra and these blessings before the Shema, the whole point of them is in order to arouse this love, in order to make us aware of this love of God that we have. And the Rambam actually mentions this as being an essential component as a fundamental and kind of like root source of all the 248 commandments is to love God. He writes about this in uh, Hilchot Yesudei Torah in the 
in his Mishnah Torah in chapter two of Hilchot Yisodei Torah. So how does this relate to longevity? How does this relate to our lives? So now here, the Altar Rabbi gets into a really interesting discussion about this idea of the innate love and the more developed love and how all that works. So again, so it's this idea of the innate love is not something that we need to be commanded to, to have. We all have it. It's something we're born with. It's a gift that's given to us. However, this innate love that we have, where is it found in terms of like the map, like the geography of our bodies? It's found in the godly soul. So if you recall, we have two souls. We have a godly soul and then we have an animal soul. The godly soul, this is the house of, this is, this is, uh, this is the part of us that is a divine spark. This is a spark of God pure godliness that's that it, that we have within each one of us and this is where our innate love of god is found and it's taught that this divine soul the home of the divine soul within our bodies is in the right ventricle of the heart now in the left ventricle of the heart that's the place where the animal soul resides that's where all of our lusts and all of our desires and cravings for the world that's that's the seat of that uh, of uh, of the animal souls there in the left ventricle of the heart so so the whole idea of what we're meant to do through prayer and through meditation and through arousing this love of God, what this means is that we want to take this innate love of God that we have in the right ventricle of the heart, in this godly soul, and have it spill over into the animal soul. And this is the idea of the rectifying of the sparks. So we've talked a lot lately about this idea of the rectification of the sparks and the Altarabba cites the Eitzchayim and the Priyatzchayim, which explained that one great way to elevate the sparks, these 288 fallen sparks, is actually through prayer. And now we can understand this a little bit, because what does prayer do? Prayer arouses, if, especially if you really take the time to meditate and, and, and uh, really contemplate and arouse this love of God within your heart when you pray, then this prayer, what, it, what it's going to do is it's going to take this innate love of God that you have in the right ventricle of your heart, and it will pour over into the left ventricle of the heart and thus transform the animal soul, which is elevating the sparks within that animal soul. And the Altarabba goes on and he says that in these times that we're living in, right before the times of Mashiach, it's called the Ikvot Mashiach, the footsteps before Mashiach. The main thing that we're supposed to be focusing on is this, uh, this rectification of these sparks. So, which is, what is the rectification of the sparks on a personal level? This is the idea of the transform, the transformation or the subduing, the subjugation of the animal soul to the godly soul as we've spoken about many times in the Tanya, right? That's kind of like the whole premise of the Tanya is this idea of getting, gaining control over your animal soul, having the godly soul be in control. In Hebrew, these terms are called as hapcha, the transformation, and as kafya is the subjugation. And so now we're going to understand this idea of life, of longevity, of that whole thing. So how does the animal soul present itself within our bodies? So we said it's in the left ventricle of the heart, right? But like really throughout the bodies, the way that it's really manifest is in our blood. And so, and the ultra rabbi says that this is, this is what is meant by this, um, this citation from Devarim chapter 12, verse 23, that the blood is the soul, or sometimes nefesh also means life. So our life is this actual flow of blood that goes through us, right? That's the pulsation of the blood. That's like a sign that somebody's alive. That's the animal soul of the person. And how does this blood get get uh, its vivification? How does this blood um, get nourished through f food and drink, right? So for all the benefits of intermittent fasting and all of that, we ultimately need food and drink in order to live. And that is our sustenance. That's what keeps us alive, which are all... Uh, 
things that have to do with the animal soul because the animal soul that's the one that let like the godly soul is not interested in food and drink the animal soul loves that stuff it loves physicality so the good part about it is it keeps us alive because in order to stay alive we need we need that animal soul to crave those things to keep us living However, if we want to just have like a very shallow kind of life, that's just like we're just living and it's like not like, you know, just kind of subsisting, then we just eat and drink and eat and drink and, you know, we're just kind of like, what's the point of it all? But if we want to actually make meaning out of our lives, if we want to actually elevate our lives and elevate this animal soul so that it gets um, subsumed under the reins of the godly soul, then we can, we need to figure out a way to use these tools of physicality for a godly purpose. So whether we use the energy that we get from the food and the drink uh, in order to pray, in order to really meditate and focus on God, um, or so too other physical things like our clothing, our homes, all the stuff, we can use every single thing in physicality in order to elevate them for godliness, in order to use them for godly purposes. And the way that we do this concludes the altar of it is through prayer because when we pray especially when we pray at length and this is the idea of praying at length is we really take the time we're like using all of our strength all of our physicality all of that food and that drink that we ate uh you know all the the comforts that we had the sleep that we got all of that we're using that and we're channeling it into godliness and into uh, to uh getting in tune with our innate love of god and when we do that we elevate all those things in our lives and thus we increase the quality of the blood flow through our bodies right and we make them it, make it into a godly blood flow which ultimately that's where that idea of the longevity comes from and it improves not only is it about the years of our lives but it actually enhances the quality of our lives to make our lives into godly years and then in final conclusion the ultra best says that this is this is different than what happened in previous generations because in the previous generations they didn't have the same work to do because they're the previous generations their godly souls were on a higher level and so they yes they also elevated sparks when they would do when they would pray but it didn't take them as long to do it they just like they would have to just say kriyachma and the blessings before and the blessings after it and a very short suke de zemra and that was enough for them to elevate the sparks like it wasn't as difficult for them it wasn't like a whole thing for us we need a little bit more work we're a little coarser generation and we're more attached to physicality so thus for us us, praying at length is a really um, good thing to do. It reminds me of a famous teaching in with meditation. A lot of meditation teachers um, have, I've, I've heard this from a few sources, this idea that meditation is something that's good for everybody and everybody should meditate at least for, I don't know, five, 10 minutes per day or something like that. Uh, and you know, as uh, I think I might've mentioned before, I think I, I quoted Tony Robbins once who said like he was, he's very into meditation and he, he thinks that uh, for as a minimum, everybody should meditate for 10 minutes per day. And he says that when people say to him, Tony, Tony, I don't have 10 minutes. He says his answer to them is if you don't have 10 minutes, you don't have a life. And his recommendation for these kind of people is actually that they need to meditate for at minimum an hour, actually. So he's like, if you don't have 10 minutes, 
you need to meditate for an hour because this means that you're really, you know, there's, there's deeper issues at play. And I've heard this from a few people of this idea that if you can't find a small amount of time to meditate, it means that there are deeper issues going on. And so it's kind of the same idea when it comes to prayer. And what I think the message that the altar is giving us here is that back in the day, people were not as distracted. They didn't have all these apps on their phones and, you know, stuff like that. So, while praying at length was still a good thing to do, it wasn't as necessary as essential as it, it as it is to us in this very distracted generation that perhaps paradoxically, it's harder for us to find that time to pray at length. And that's specifically why we need it more than anything. And that's what's going to really enhance our lives and ultimately lead us to having fuller and longer lives. So that's it for today. And tomorrow... Crazy Exciting is our final episode in this cycle of the Tanya of the It Is Taught podcast for this year. And we're actually, as I mentioned, we're going to do this whole cycle again once more because this year was a leap year and next year is going to be a regular year. So we're going to go through it again. Um, same material, but slightly different way that it's uh, that it's divided up. So I will be doing putting out new episodes. So I'm excited to continue with you on this journey and to stay with it. And I will speak to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak Ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, Please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.